0: This is Penumbra Cast, The Other Scene. I'm Fernanda Negrete, director of the Center for the Study of Psychoanalysis and Culture at the University at Buffalo. This episode is part of the first series of the podcast on psychoanalytic concepts explained by an interviewee with both clinical experience and theoretical knowledge of psychoanalysis, particularly as it is practiced in the Freudian School of Quebec. The concept we're discussing today is the address in relation to transference. My guest today is Geoffrey LeBret, professor and chair of the Department of German and Scandinavian at the University of Oregon, and an analyst in the École Freudienne du Québec. He is the author of The Rhetoric of Cultural Dialogue, Jews and Germans from Moses, Mendelssohn to Richard Wagner and beyond, Orientalism and the Figure of the Jew, and numerous essays on literature, philosophy, and psychoanalysis. Jeffrey is also a co-founder of SPIRAL, the Society for Psychoanalytic and Interdisciplinary Interventions and Research after Lacan. Spiral is an organization devoted to the development and promotion of practical and theoretical advances in psychoanalysis. Its overarching purpose is to work for the ongoing renewal of psychoanalysis in a form that is appropriate to the material situations and the singular experiences, the desires, drives, fantasies, and forms of jouissance of human subjects, subjects of speech in the age of cultural globalization, or mondialization, that is our own. So welcome to the podcast, Jeffrey. (laughs) I'm thrilled to have you here today. We will be focusing, as I said, on the address, a fascinating psychoanalytic concept that Willie Apollon has developed over the recent years. And I am interested in this concept insofar as it's not well known beyond the Quebec School to my mind. The plan is to make sense of the address with the support of uh, the specific understanding of transference that Willie Apollone has developed as well, and which was discussed with uh, Apollone in an earlier interview of this podcast on the unconscious under transference. But uh, before we enter into the question of the address, I uh, want to ask you to Answer the question I ask every podcast guest who comes here and offers a critical and clinical point of entry to psychoanalysis through a concept. The question, which I would like to think of as being heard by both people already very invested in psychoanalysis, and as we know, this can happen from a wide variety of perspectives, and by people who may not be so familiar with its specificity what is psychoanalysis?
1: I guess I would say that it's the attempt to liberate energies and experiences um, within the human being that are inhibited from creative expression by personal, familial, social, cultural, and civilizational constraints. And it's the attempt to also um, take responsibility for the effects of the unleashing of these energies and experiences in the life and world of the subject. And it's an attempt undertaken by the subject in the analytic situation who works together with an analyst, but also always alone to accomplish this liberation, and who works on this um, undertaking, um, also outside the analytic sessions per se, of course. Aside from this, I'd say that psychoanalysis is the theory of this undertaking and this work, and uh, its conditions and possibilities, its effects, and its relations to social, cultural, and civilizational discourses that surround, surround it. In addition, of course, one has to say that the energies and experiences concerned here are considered unconscious outside of language by definition, as Freud also emphasized, uh, since language, as uh, which we could think of as a kind of social, social semiosis in the largest sense, constitutes consciousness as a delimitation, uh, that is to say by delimiting consciousness. Um, this notion of the unconscious is what differentiates psychoanalysis from other discourses of emancipation, that operate on the assumption that all subjectivity is or can be made conscious. So oh, be-
0: yeah, well you have a lot to to say here and uh I'm tempted to to highlight a couple things. I'm mm-hmm. I'm interested in how you are pointing to the to the to psychoanalysis as something that doesn't matter only inside The sessions inside the space of the couch that you're seeing Mm -hmm. this unleashing of experiences, energies that are unconscious, inhibited, unconscious by all of these factors that you were uh, referring to um, Mm -hmm. has effects in the world and not just in the mind of the person doing an analysis. So, hopefully, we can continue to to explore that in the in the next Mm -hmm. questions Mm -hmm. um i think that this already breaks with a certain i don't know preconception of what psychoanalysis is about like i feel that Mm -hmm. uh, when i Mm -hmm. try to speak about psychoanalysis myself with people who are less familiar with it or have a vague or general idea what Mm -hmm. it's about it seems to be all about Mm. understanding something and not so much about transforming something. So those, that's something I wanted yes. to highlight. Mm. Um, but then in towards the end, when you were distinguishing psychoanalysis from other emancipatory practices, um, you were showing that difference on the basis of there being... Um, an assumption that everything can be made conscious. Whereas, so you're said, let me see if I understand this correctly. You're saying in psychoanalysis, that's not the assumption. Not everything can be made conscious. Is that what you were implying?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a seems to me that there's a permanence of the unconscious that is um crucial to psychoanalysis. Um, Could you
0: say just a little bit more about
1: what? Well, in terms of the distinction, I could say, for example, that like an example of the other, another form of emancipatory discourse, if you like, or you know, more specifically, enlightenment sort of style emancipatory discourse would be like in Jurgen Habermas, where he talks about consciousness making, you know, conscious making criticism. You know, that's what, you know that in his say on Benjamin, and so he he's Walter Benjamin, and he he says that. Uh, you know he's interested in that. So enlightenment is interested in making conscious. You know, and um, psychoanalysis is also, of course, interested in making conscious, but it acknowledges greater limits in that <laughs> in that process to that to that undertaking. And it's and it's it's not supposed to, it's not about the uh, the annihilation of the unconscious, if you like. It's uh-huh. it's, it's about the affirmation of the unconscious. The welcoming of it as unconscious, in in a sense.
0: That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have another question that will come to come back to this issue later on, but um, for now, I wonder if you would tell us uh, how you would describe the difference between your understanding of psychoanalysis before you underwent an analysis yourself and after going through this process. I'm finding that my question a little funny right now because the before after <laughs> pair right. of images in comparison but let's see.
1: Well, it's a great question but of course it's an enormous question and uh, <clears throat> it's not possible to say um in any remotely complete way, you know, in the space or context of an interview, you know how how one would, you know, answer that question but I could say a few things about that, I think. So uh, one would one might be to say that uh, the difference, uh, in my understanding, in any case, concerns a shift. First of all, it, it it had to do with. I would say I didn't understand really the concept of the jouissance of the other very well before. I mean that was a sort of an abstraction to me before doing analysis and 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 going pretty far in the analysis and and the shift from. The jouissance of the other to the other's jouissance, you know, would ensure that in some sense the transformation of the former into the latter would is something that I certainly wouldn't have uh, been able to um, really uh, understand in the same way, in any case, uh, without doing an analysis. And, and another point would be this permanence of the unconscious, the fact uh, that one that one doesn't Get rid of the unconscious in an analysis, but comes to embrace it. And as uh, you know, uh, of course, I, I, something I would have maybe known intellectually, but that's a, a little slightly different thing from um, going through the experience. And then, um, in connection with that, I would say that there's a um, the 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 weird. So permanence is a, of the unconscious is a is an important. Um, Concept here, but um it's a permanence that has a particularly weird temporality in the sense that it involves the constitution of the unconscious through the course of the analysis as what it always will have been. And um, so that um, temporality is something that um again is a little bit different, is quite different as a as a concept from um in as an abstract concept on the one hand and as a as a concrete sort of experience experience on the other. And then a third thing I might mention is that the um, specific form of the disruption of the relationship with the social link that is part of um, an analysis, crucial to an analysis, um, and as well as the way in which the subject manages this disruption and assumes responsibility for it, <clears throat> Uh, this is always this, this, all of this is always uh, completely singular. And so um, it cannot be concretely theorized or described in advance. I mean, you, you, in other words, it's that's a very abstract notion, mm-hmm. but it's very, very different and very significant, needless to say, to each analyst. And, and so that can't, that can't be um, adequately. You know, rendered in 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 the theory in a certain sense, and then the specifically the aspect of assuming responsibility for the um, this disruption and for the um, what must ensue. Um, this has to be invented uh, as much as discovered, so it it can't be told or or represented. In other words, it's not just something that happens differently in each case, but it's something that has to be created in e- differently in each case yeah. by the subject in the analysis. So yeah, so those are things that sort of, those are, that's how I answer that question.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Did... Like, there are huge <laughs> things that change mm-hmm. over the course of an analysis, it seems. Mm-hmm. And I like that you are, um, yeah, thinking about concepts that are only... Intellectual concepts, as long as you don't have that experience, that's very striking, and I'm curious about that. Also about the disruption of one's relationship to the social link, so I hope we can come back to that, too, in a later question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that, in fact, some of what you are saying here could be better explained through the concept that we chose for your interview, the the concept Mm -hmm. of the address and its structure. Mm -hmm. So in this uh question, you know, I want to talk about how it would seem that the address is a simple term to name the act of speaking to someone else or of communicating one's thought to another speaking being. But it seems that there's much more to it, that it's more complicated and and else's means something specific by that, doesn't it?
1: Yes. So here in the address what we mean is, um, what we're referring to is the speech of one subject with another about some, first of all, narrowing it down a little bit, the speech of one subject with another about something intimate, so intimate that it's unconscious. Um, So that's not to say that that only takes place in the analytic situation, because if it did, then that would be uninteresting if you like, right? But we're not talking just about um, communicative, um, organizational, you know, pragmatic uh, interactions in, in society. Although I think that the speech of one subject with another about something intimate to the point of unconscious is also enters into those obliquely and here and there, intermittently, obliquely into those other, you know, more pragmatic interactions as well. It can't be completely separated from them. So, um, <clears throat> but essentially it concern what we're address here concerns the speech of, about this, this intimate and unconscious experiences, um, affect, perhaps affects, hallucinatory, there are different ways one could speak of the, this unconscious dimension. Um, And so the problem, the reason why the address is a problem that needs to be thought about, if you like, is that um, speech in this sense, um, as the expression of subjective experience, or a view of the world that has its own claim to be heard, um, uh, is, is paradoxically incompatible with language. So that's, that's the point. Um, As soon as you have language, um, which is something that we all share in a society or a culture, uh, you don't have speech because you don't have languages for everyone and, and not for a subject, a singular subject, everyone in a group. Um, Um. so as soon as you have a language, you don't have speech and where you have speech, you don't have language. So mm-hmm. you know where you're speaking as a subject, then you're not speaking uh, in universal terms or the singular and the universal are incompatible mm-hmm. um and, and yet, on the other hand, you need language for speech. How else are you going to speak except with language and how and and speech on the other hand it, 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 it is also the only thing that constitutes language. Right? Language, in a certain sense, is an abstraction outside of speech. So you have these um, uh, kind of uh, uh, language and speech both depend upon each other and are incompatible. So that's why the address is um, something tricky. Oh, yeah, <laughs> is 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 difficult, is uh, impossible, if you like, in a certain sense, um, or always paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Pollon says it's improbable. In a way, that's a, uh, calls it improbable. So I'm not sure um, how much farther you would like me to go. I can I can also um, talk about the yeah. structure of the uh, address in the. Um, sort of the basic structure of an address, what happens when a person tries to address another person, if you like, because there's a kind of, you can sketch the process, the structure and the process of that.
0: Yes, yeah, I think that would be great, like in the social link, and then we can move on to Uh a question about psychoanalysis.
1: And what happens in the transference. So in any act of um, address, when a subject addresses another um, in this way, uh, trying to speak about something that Cannot that is unconscious and therefore is excluded from language. The subject can only uh, use uh, language to to uh, say what it has to say. So it, although it can, it tries to affect language in such a way as to make it uh, bend it to the to the to the will of the subject, if you like. And it expects, it hopes for a response from the other. But the problem with the other is that the other is always a social other, is always a kind of um, representative of the norms of the society and the culture and so on. And so this is, if you like, why it's very difficult for us to uh, hear each other in, in this in this sense. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's quasi impossible for us to hear each other insofar as we are translating each other's speech in the language of the society and the culture to which we adhere as egos. Mm -hmm. So in this sense, when the other responds, the other will always respond in a way that sort of misses the point in a sense, or doesn't seem to quite grasp what it is that we're trying to to convey, um, and um, so there is written into the, the sort of built into the this the structure of the address on this in this sense of uh, a a disappointment, a failure, uh, and 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 um, because of the other is as an ego in this ego to ego structure that we can never quite get rid of. Uh, a, what uh, again, the really calls the guardian of the receivable, but that means uh, you're sort of a policeman of the society and the culture, just because mm-hmm. the other's a member of the society and the culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, as ego. And so, um, the problem then is uh, with the disappointment, but the interesting moment is also with the disappointment, because then the subject reacts in a certain way, sort of viscerally. Or uh, um, and effectively, it's 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 uh, not just a cognitive um, fail, you know, recognition of a failure. We're not sort of computers recognizing that (laughs) a misunderstanding has taken place (laughs) (laughs) but we feel and are uh, disturbed by the failure of the communication and so uh, then we respond in some way in our body and the unconscious and drives are mobilized by this the erotogenic whole entire structure of the being is uh, is affected in some way which may appear as anxiety it may appear as uh 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 excitement it may appear as uh anger it may appear as all kinds of things sadness I mean I don't an infinite range I suppose of you know affective responses and manifestations of this sense of the failure of communication so the next uh, step in the process is that the someone that the person has to do something with these energies they 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 need to they will push to. For some sort of expression, whether it's you know, uh, and, and something that one is aware of, or something that one's completely unaware of, it could appear also in a dream, or in a symptom, or a symptom, or an act, or uh, or, or or and or another attempt to articulate what was not managing to be conveyed or received in the initial uh, address, and so. And ultimately, there will be a resurgence of some sort of address to someone of something, you know, of the unconscious. And so the process of the address um, uh, uh, perpetuates or repeats itself. And um, uh, this cycle um, uh, repeats itself and and perpetuates itself, um, uh, you know, as best, uh, like, and the subject sort of manages as best uh, he or she or they can with this
0: situation.
1: So that I think is the basic uh, situation that then we want to look at the modification of in the analytic. uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's interesting. And, you know, it's also interesting that analysis, you know, in the clinic, relies on speaking right so the specific i want to talk about what's specific specific about psychoanalysis mm-hmm.
1: yes. and
0: about attempting to speak to someone in analysis if this is a space where it's where the failure that's structural mm-hmm. that you have just described is taken mm-hmm. into account
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i would i mean i'm thinking of how it compares to having conversations that may be more or less intimate Mm-hmm. In other practices, such mm-hmm. as psychotherapies, counseling, or even Christian confession, comes to mind as mm-hmm. a right or I was thinking just yesterday in uh, in my Proust seminar, another professor who was there teaching as well, um was mentioning Loyola's spiritual exercises and how oh, women okay. in the nineteenth century had uh, in France, like um, and a spiritual advisor to whom they were encouraged to talk to mm-hmm. shamelessly mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. much as possible. To, and they would help mm-hmm. them uh, imagine having these conversations, <laughs> very hallucinatory conversations, yes. um, but like in the in the service of trying to make a space to talk about what they were feeling or whatever. So what's the difference with psychoanalysis in terms of right. the address? and where does the where does it lead to especially since you're mentioning that there's a transformation of this of the position of the subject with regard to mm-hmm. it's i guess it's need to address something to the other so right. another way of speaking yeah. about this question would be with the transference right how does transference mm-hmm. subvert subvert the mm-hmm. structure of the address
1: right so first um I, I can't speak to the uh, spiritual exercises um <laughs> oh, which are probably more interesting than one one, one imagines but I, I don't know yeah <clears throat> bach thought they were as i uh, recall uh, but um in counseling so and in therapy um some therapy discourse is not all of the contemporary moment what one often runs into specifically with respect to analysis is that people say, well, it's just talk, but it doesn't change anything, as you said, or it might be talk plus insight, but it doesn't change. And that is based on the assumption that language is something like nothing. I mean, it's not real. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything. And maybe that's, maybe that's not just um, based on a lack of insight, but maybe, I mean, maybe it's not completely, well, Looking at a generacy, one could say that that might be based on a kind of half insight, namely that, um, but but that that they think language is only language rather than also speech or something like that. In other words, there's not a recognition there that speech is an act, an experience, and an undergoing uh, something that that uh, engages the real. So, um, and it's as if they think of language as just sort of the endless circulation of language in society. Uh, like a machine that doesn't really go anywhere on the other hand of course in that case if you if you feel that then the, then there would be no reason why therapy would would escape being part of that machine even if it talks about the body or engages in you know gives people advice to act in certain ways and so on and so forth but I mean to leave that now behind well just to reiterate that the point the importance in a way of this notion of speech is that it is um it's understood in this uh kind of dialectical tension that i was you know outlining earlier with 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 language you know uh, um so um concerning the transference so what happens in the transference is that the analyst doesn't um respond in the way that um any um social other would would respond so the on the analyst absence um him or herself or from the from the position of the social interlocutor and the member of the culture shared culture and of from the sort of uh collaborator or your co uh in the same uh, civilization that is the 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 analysts um uh, what the analyst has to to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So um, that means that um, the response, the analytic response is, um, is, uh, is a non response in a certain sense, it's, uh, it disappoints, so it disappoints the, the, the analyst and in a new way, if you like, it's Mm -hmm. a new, it's a new kind of disappointment. Um, But one that also doesn't disappoint in a different way. So it disappoints by not making um, fundamental, making an attempt to sort of present the uh, analysts and with the sense that their speech does harmonize with language, right, not confirming that their speech is harmonizing with language, I guess not validating their speech in that sense, might might be how one would put that. uh, I mean, maybe that's what validating means. You know, uh, is uh, suggesting that the speech is in harmony with language in this, in the sense in which we're using these terms. So, nor saying it's not, not it, nor invalidating it by saying, "Well, no, your speech is not in 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 line with language, and you better get it in line with language." You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is what uh, you know the other option is for the social interlocutor. And for the way we, which we understand the social interlocutor, regardless of their intentions as egos in the social scene, mm-hmm. um, um, either I have my shit together or I better get my shit together, something like that. <laughs> so the analyst doesn't, uh, so disappoint, disappoints by not providing one of those two responses and surprises in a way by not providing one of those two responses. But, but, but the analyst doesn't disappoint precisely by, allowing by saying okay well now we're going to be outside of that game you know we're going to be in some way or another conveying the sense and this requires the analyst's flexibility in terms of how this is done conveying the sense that you know this is a space outside of that the uh, attempt to uh, of language to um force speech to accord with it you Mm -hmm. know or to, or the attempt of language to include, to exclude any revision of the language itself, something like that, you know. And so, um, yeah. So, under the effects of that silence, um, the or that, you know, non-response, quasi that, uh, or that al- altered response, the uh, analyst end is um, thrown back upon themselves in a slightly new way a slightly different way certainly re- returned to their isolation and their aloneness in a in a in a in a way um in a powerful and disturbing often you know disturbing or way but that can also be um thrilling and uh is also then um provided with the you know the invitation to to uh to speak um to continue to try to speak as precisely as possible about what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like. Um yeah. So, yeah.
0: I think that I mean I, I really like how you are focusing on the analysand's experiences, like what kinds of expectations are already there in anyone, in any speaking being when they try to speak to anyone else and then what happens here and what opens up for that same uh speaker or an mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet I, I guess th- this is a huge question too, but it's worth highlighting that it's not obvious. <laughs> C'est pas evident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. It's, yeah. it's yes. not obvious to to be the analyst right like to be to know so in what you first said about how we are all in the position of guardians of the receivable Mm -hmm. of others who are representing the culture the the civilization these limits for whoever is speaking and we it seems from how i understood you um that this just happens automatically. like it's not a question of your will to try to listen or not. Not only a matter of will at the very least. So so then becoming being an analyst and being able to get out of that position of the of that ego or of the guardian of the receivable seems yeah. very, like a huge undertaking like that doesn't just happen yeah. by saying, all right, I'm just not gonna judge you and I'm gonna be quiet. That's it. And now I'm an analyst. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. The non non-judgmental is 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 uh is much easier said than done. And um in a way it's almost like saying I will not um I will not understand you. And that's harder to do. If you like it's 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 much harder not to understand somebody than to understand them <laughs> if you yeah like. and understanding them means you know interpreting them if understanding them means interpreting them through the eyes of some you know or other culturally given you know paradigm right um yeah yeah, you know, finding the you know listening for what one doesn't understand, listening for the navel of the dream, if you like, listen, listen, listening for what is singular. And yes, I think I think beyond the will to listen in that way. What is concerned there? What is a necessary condition of that is is that disruption, the the uh, the disruption of the relationship with the social link that has and the traversal of that disruption that has been that has gone on in the in the analyst's own analysis because that's where something like the where the real um a distance from the from the languages of um from all any languages of society culture or civilization uh become you know Established and which doesn't mean one can't or doesn't also participate in those as a continue to participate in those discourses in some way. but oh. the 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 modality of participation is has to have been altered by those experiences. and that that's the condition of being an analyst, if you like.
0: Yeah. So, so going through that whole analysis to yourself is like, there's a reason why this whole experience proceeds being an analyst oneself. Um, okay. So I have this uh, question about, the you know, this, this, this is where I wanted to come back to what we do with the unconscious. Does it get, Does it dissipate all into consciousness by, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or does something remain permanently unconscious? So in this Mm -hmm. sense, the thought that Apollon's structure of the address implies that there is something unaddressable, as he calls it, or something Mm -hmm. that exceeds language. Uh, And this is a point that I find difficult to highlight sufficiently among Lacanians, uh, whose reading of the Cut in language that inaugurates the split subject leads them to a skepticism about any kind of out of language. Whereas, so the consequence of understanding that the speaking being is an effect of the cut of language, I find paradoxically, becomes there's nothing to look at that's not in language. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Apollon insists that what is out of language is what matters most or even exclusively in psychoanalysis. So, could you say something right. about this difference to help us mm-hmm. clarify or why is there a resistance to the out of language in psychoanalysis or perhaps in academia? I don't know if it's like Lacanian theorists or Lacanian analysts or both, but.
1: <laughs> well, I can't, I'm not sure exactly, um, you know, uh, about the range of of this resistance, or, you know, where it is, and and, and how how it is, and, and so on. But it seems to me, so a couple of things. One is that um, the Lacanian, uh, that those who, sometimes there's a tendency to get sort of caught up in, uh, to stop in a way at structuralist Lacan. So that, and that would be, that was, I don't know how pervasive that still is. That certainly was uh, the case for at least academic Lacanian thought in this country for a very long time because it and the way in which it entered our culture and the time, the moment when it entered our awareness at all in this continent, or at least other than Quebec, uh, even maybe in Quebec. Which was uh, during uh, through the French departments and the literature departments, as you know, and uh, uh, philosophy departments, and 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 through structuralism. So the first Lacan that anybody got to know here was the structuralist Lacan, and and many people stopped there. So that's one. Pr- limit. So people don't necessarily orient themselves toward the third Lacan, the later Lacan, where the focus is much more on the real. And 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 um, uh, uh, so I think that's, and that was also trans, some of that work was translated much later, still isn't, hasn't been published, hasn't been translated. So there's there's that uh, problem. And it's also a very difficult work, it's very difficult uh, material, the the, the letter, yeah. the third uh, Lacan um and um so but it is it is a little odd that like la Longue, the motif of la langue which uh, is certainly present in uh, you know encore uh, and other which was published pretty early, uh, it doesn't really get quite the play and the shift in Lacan's own position vis-a-vis his own uh, earlier thesis that the unconscious is structured like a language uh, doesn't uh, get uh, a, a sufficient uh, attention for, yeah, because it's, uh, I think, because people get stuck on the earlier Lacan, but, and the structuralist Lacan. um, That's one, that's one reason. I mean, it is all the the more odd in the, in Freud's clear, it's absolutely manifest that the, uh, you know, unconscious is, is, is outside of language. And so um, you would think there would be a little more uh, thought about that. and in academia, certainly, there's a, well, the, the academic discourse is one oriented toward putting everything into language, right? I mean, that's just what yeah. your job It's what your job is, it's what, it's that wherein your hope uh, resides also, that everything can be put into language, you know, a kind of uh, a sort of enlightenment uh, rationality that pervades the profession, perhaps this idea that somehow... Uh, you know, everything can be articulated and the whole, also the market, also the sort of the, the capitalization, the capitalist form of, you know, academia or the, the, the the overdetermination of academia by capitalism requires that, you know, uh, innovation take the form of saying something new and publishing something new and having a new product in words. And, you know, so that, you know, to be a successful academic means to be very, to say something that feels new even if it's not and is uh, sort of seems to be clever and it's all about saying uh, but saying in in a saying uh putting things into words and in, in language so uh, i i don't uh, i mean it's complicated you know it's a very right. complicated question i think it's a huge question and and those are a couple of comments off okay comments off the top of my head yeah
0: yeah that's great and i am realizing as you answer that i that that was two questions and one two separate questions and you're answering on like the very helpfully uh, on the context that introduced lacan to uh to the u.s uh in particular and what its effects or like what what's at stake there in academia but in fact Mm -hmm. There's also in my question, something about what is Apollon talking about when he says there's something unaddressable and that exceeds Mm -hmm. language. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you might, uh, you have been kind of speaking about what that is through your definition of psychoanalysis and Mm -hmm. through some of the other responses. Is there anything you would highlight as is there something that's not even speech? <laughs> you know, you've been making mm-hmm. the dialectical yes.
1: mm-hmm.
0: tension between speech and language, mm-hmm. but is there some is is what's at stake in the unaddressable not speech even
1: mm.
0: or ever speakable? <laughs>
1: mm. I I think I think yeah. I think the answer to that is yes. You know, um, yes. I think the reason to go back to the question for a moment of the oops, the reasons why uh people find it difficult to acknowledge this dimension is one is that um it's very difficult to think of orienting yourself in terms of something that's non-representable oh yeah and or or not even visually representable because when we say not language then the tendency is to think oh well we could pick a picture of it but a picture a picture is um also uh, related to language, it's inscribed in language, although not only language. Um, And um, um, so to orient, it's tantamount to orienting yourself in terms of nothing, because anything that is something is something that can be represented. Uh, That is to say, that's how our, I mean, that's sort of the uh, way of putting the principle of sufficient reason. Yeah. Uh, everything uh, must have a form a content a use and an origin a cause and so if it ain't that then you know what is it well it's nothing and if it's you know so the 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 unconscious is a kind of nothing that you know nonetheless is i would say and so that's um very, very difficult for us to acknowledge and embrace and uh make, make sense of in a way. Um I think, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that answer. <laughs> How do you orient yourself around a nothing? So that's what's a problem for both academics and clinicians.
1: Yeah.
0: And anyone and
1: trying to people. speak.
0: Yeah. So in this question I want to Think about something you said in an essay you have written about the address for a future volume on Willie Avalone's metapsychology. Uh, I, I was struck when you mentioned that people act out a lot. I think it's like a sentence just like that, which I really appreciated. And you explain that this is because subjective experience unsettles the common sense or meaning in terms of which the society attempts to function and reproduce itself. You've kind of been saying that in this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really interested in this account of what it is that provokes acting out on the part mm-hmm. of anyone. So could mm-hmm. you say something more about this?
1: Well, um, I was um, trying to suggest that people struggle with rep- with repression and censorship. Um, that they're not comfortable living with it. Uh, and that's a Really, all I was trying to suggest there, and, and another way of putting that is to say that there's a psycho, in Freud's terms, a psychopathology of everyday life that uh that manifests the unconscious indirectly um in our midst. Um, we see it in people not getting along or having trouble with each other, acting irrationally or violently, acting in a way we consider to be irrational, the way we can't understand, or suddenly or violently. Um, Giving us a view of the unconscious insofar as it's not being welcomed or acknowledged, so it sort of bursts into the room uninvited. Because as a society, we don't we don't invite it; uh, we we literally deny um, its existence. One could think of, um, for example, also political acting out in this context. Uh, yeah.
0: um,
1: and if we think of um, the, uh, not just the horrendous. Uh, and mass uh, shootings and 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 so on, which are a part of this, um, also of course, but even more broadly, the if we think of let's say um, right right wing populism, I, it, it seems to me that that's a it's a kind of protest against repression and censorship. It's just a very very misguided and inarticulate protest against. So, um, but that that would be a, a kind of a massive, massive acting out, you know. That is, and uh, mass acting out that is, uh, you know, technologically mediated in all kinds of ways, but and nonetheless, uh, certainly, uh, I think, uh, you know, a kind of should be understood as a kind of acting out against. Uh, as, as as a manifestation of you know repression and, and censorship uh, that are just not being uh, uh, acknowledged, understood, uh, managed um, in any um, productive way, mm-hmm. and in any aesthetic way, is uh, what William Apollon would would say. Uh, uh, such that it's uh, instead being managed; those things are being managed in a violent in a violent way.
0: Yeah, and. In- and how you're speaking about this acting out? I'm, I'm hearing something about, um, or wondering about the, the level of awareness that the person acting out has or doesn't have, and also that, uh, in seeing these, these these these. Violent behaviors, let's say, to use a very general non psychoanalytic term necessarily, but like in seeing these behaviors in political situations or, or collective uh, actings out, but also in individuals uh, as the unconscious trying to appear uninvited. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm just like thinking about how it appears uninvited perhaps for the ones performing this, like how do are they aware that something that this, that this unwelcome guest is there or not, <laughs> or, or like you are, as you tell us about this. I don't know. I, I just, I'm not, this is actually not something mm. I had thought about before mm. the interview, but uh, mm. it's, um, it's not what we make of these behaviors usually like either there's an immediate condemnation and there are reasons for condemning mass shootings Uh or Uh white supremacist uh, Uh acts of violence or whatever. But um,
1: so um, maybe um, the um, movement of the um, white supremacist that movement itself let's say is um in the and the i mean in the right wing the the extreme right um uh populism that is um active here and also more globally right mm-hmm. um it's certainly not aware of itself as 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 an expression of the unconscious and 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 it um is envisioning a uh the formation of a language which would uh, exclude um any presentation of anything um uh anything other if you like in other words a a language that would be perfectly sealed against the non what exceeds language because we're talking about a language as a social order right so they and so the envision there there's a utopia it's a utopia in a certain sense a kind of okay we we would say it's sort of a You know, amongst friends, we would say it's sort of an idiotic utopia, if you like. But, I mean, but, but, but you know, it's a misguided utopia. But it's, it's a, it's the, it's the picture of a language that would be perfect, you know, perfectly sealed against any. um, So the reason why, let's say, from a left perception perspective, or even from let's say a positivist perspective, which is also in a certain sense, an ideology that's important and, and powerful and kind of liberal, uh, liberal, mm-hmm. uh, 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 like, scientific discourse and so on, the, the, the idea of creating a perfect language that would be impenetrable to anything outside of language is not viewed as the problem so you know it's just that the thought is that those people are just trying to create the the wrong language or they're uh-huh. you know, they have the wrong idea of what the perfect language would be i know what the perfect language would be you know or we do you know so that's then that maybe why um it's it's um it's easier to just condemn them for having the wrong language than to um, try to see how um part of the problem is Or the fundamental problem is the idea of uh, that there could be a perfect language that could be realized as a social, you know, order, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's really, that's really useful also to get to my next question and and what it's, what these um, situations or cases are making me think about is That you know we had in the in the definition of the address and the and language that the role of society was simply to try to keep common sense going, and Mm -hmm. and it seems that subjective experience is what causes so much trouble that which what causes the acting Mm -hmm. out. But but in how you're responding, there's uh, I guess a an awareness of which we mentioned at the very beginning of the interview when I was explaining a little bit about spiral which has to do with these there is no common sense functioning anymore right so the maybe like uh-huh. these extreme movements are trying to like reconstruct mm. something um mm. flawless in the face of a lot of like a clash of values, ideals, norms, et cetera, and just like the crumbling of of that common sense, which which mm-hmm. is like what mm-hmm. causes it to be more radical but mm-hmm. um, but the question I had for for now is just why does psychoanalysis want to subvert the address if you know if mm-hmm. instead of like wanting to to not trouble things like why is it on the yeah. side of trouble
1: <laughs> right why is it on the side of trouble so i think that um there maybe two main reasons for that and one is that the um first like from a psychoanalytic point of view the address um troubles itself i mean um there's a real at stake there that um needs to be addressed in every (laughs) both senses.
0: Uh
1: Um, And um, so uh, it's not like psychoanalysis is um, uh, trying to um, create a problem that doesn't already exist in the name of something that doesn't already exist, but rather is in a certain sense, standing up for the real or something like that. You know, it's, 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 um, uh, interested in, um, acknowledging uh acknowledging uh reality <laughs> in a funny way but hmm. b- the reality beyond uh social reality beyond um, the symbolic and oh, imaginary re- reality so the reality of the real hmm. and um uh so uh that's one way of putting it another way of putting it is that the So first of all, I actually I wanted to clarify that when you say Trump to to subvert the address, it's only subverting the address in the sense of subverting the um, socially structured form of the uh, forms of interaction, if you will. I mean, to some degree, the socially structured forms of interaction, right, the culturally acknowledged and approved of forms of interaction which of course psychoanalysis isn't in the business of destroying those either mm-hmm. um, but making a place for uh, something else and the because the something else exists and because even though it's nothing you know a nothing and because um that the something else is the source of the new so yeah what comes as the new into the social and cultural space is uh is is what comes from uh, by definition, you know, from what is outside of that cultural and social space, and um, that is the the space of the unconscious. So it's um, it's for the sake of the new. And why is psychoanalysis interested in the new? Because uh, let's say because society hasn't yet solved all of its problems, and we don't know everything yet.
0: <laughs> yet. <laughs>
1: That I mean not to say, in other words that's not exactly saying that the new is 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 the only thing that's of value but the but but there is and certainly an in, uh inestimable inestimable value in of the new mm-hmm. uh, for psychoanalysis I would say or for this psychoanalysis that I somehow learned to appreciate and be part of the other thing I might mention concerning the common sense is that and in a way it's a perhaps it's a a minor point but maybe we can think of common sense in a new way um, as a as an aesthetic uh, sense um, rather than an epistemic or an ethical sense so not necessarily a shared set of meanings per se or of norms of behavior or, um, or ideas about how to Constitute norms of behavior, but rather as a a space in which um, aesthetic um, creation and responsiveness are are shared in some way, um, mm-hmm. and that that's a new way. But that's a very, as you know, that's a very uh, old way. Uh, it's the way Kant uh, tried to conceive of common sense. You know, in what when he spoke of common sense as uh, as an aesthetic sense um, in yeah. a way that was a, a, a A kind of uh, an innovation and a disruption in his own uh, of the discourse in his own day
0: yeah let's bring that back (laughs) and and continue to create it Mm -hmm. um so yeah i am i'm kind of going back on some notes from what you were responding to earlier questions and i really like this possibility of thinking of common sense aesthetically, and not only as um, staying within the limits of uh, the social bond. You have been mentioning disruption of one's relation to the social link as an important part of what happens over the course of an analysis. Yet in this last answer you were offering, you were showing that the point is not just to destroy society, to destroy that psychoanalysis is not attempting that in itself, but it is favoring a certain disruption. And you're saying it's uh, it can be thought of in terms of the new or of, of exploring new possibilities or getting out of the old solutions that are not always the best solutions or that have led to a number of huge problems that we won't get into here. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's the vocabulary of disruption of one's relation to the social mm-hmm. link is always mm-hmm. very different from from what you hear you're going to do in any other space of self-improvement or self... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you, you hear more about we're going to heal, we're going to... Um, yeah, just as you have been saying, adjust mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. put it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: here it's not adjust. It's mm-hmm. a disruption, but that could have some possibilities that are aesthetic mm-hmm. and not necessarily uh self-destructive or mm-hmm. destructive of I don't know, one's surroundings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um yeah, so so the question here is just what do you think that the intimates face of speaking and analysis can lead to in the world beyond an individual journey, you've already been answering that it's not just about knowing oneself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but maybe just to reiterate or mm-hmm. emphasize. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So um, uh, one thing to come back to what you were just saying about the therapeutic discourses, I I I would want to be a teeny I would want to be fair to some of those discourses in this sense that some they do talk about change for example okay. you know they don't always talk about or they don't always talk about um, uh and they don't always talk about social integration although that tends to be the emphasis um you know uh doing better in society and so on but there is there is I just wanted to acknowledge that there is this motif of change, you know, that can be, but it's always change of oneself. So I mean, it's one's own change, but still, there's that little bit of a connection there that I wanted to just note. Um, But um, 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 but in terms of what the uh, what it can lead to in the world analysis um, and the 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 um, transformation of the uh, address into um the transferential the modification of address and the process of analysis what that can lead to um I I think uh that um it can be productive in that it has to do with taking responsibility for oneself and not asking others to do to be responsible for oneself so that that's very large in as an ethical that's a very fundamental ethical emphasis in psychoanalysis as I know it. Um, And um, I think that can have positive effects in the world. I think in a way, psychoanalysis conduces to a reduction of violence in large degree, because it has to do with uh, ultimately with you know it's a process of assuming responsibility for oneself and one's desires and 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 so and one's uh, actions and the effects of one's actions in the world assuming responsibility for one's origins in a way um uh and um i think that conduces to a reduction of violence um uh partly as again as willie apollon puts it you know it's violence or aesthetics and I think that that has a, a lot of, you know, that's a that's a very important uh, statement. or <laughs> well,
0: yeah.
1: Alternative, um, and so I do think it conduces to, in a certain sense, a more honest relationship to the world, if you like. Uh, it, it's sort of in terms of uh, I don't know, Nietzschean um, probity, redlichkeit, um, um, and um, to as I said, a kind of liberation of creativity, um, but at the same time, I don't think it's a panacea or a utopia or you know or, or 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 something like that. I do think it's a just dis- it's as a theoretical discourse. It also conduces to it is sort of useful for the critique of ideology, you know, and for political understand understanding of political social phenomena. Mm-hmm. And, and so as an applied uh, applied psychoanalysis i also think that it has that value and usefulness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah yeah
0: that's interesting um so maybe as a final question in um i'm thinking of where you might situate art and in particular literature in terms of um the possibility of bringing something that leads, sorry, something that exceeds language mm-hmm. into words or into speech. Mm-hmm. Can literature have the status of an act that isn't only uh, an acting out? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, how? So it's kind of a question. I mean, not that literature and art are the only modes of aesthetic expression. Mm-hmm. What we were saying previously. But, right. but it but I'm but because we are in literature departments, I'm interested in in hearing you and, and because I have a love of literature, I'm interested in asking you about this. So do any examples come to mind and can literature ever offer something of the order of an analytic cure to the subject of unconscious desire, or is this not at all possible?
1: Of course, there's so much to be said about this topic, and um, much of it tricky and and difficult. Certainly, I see uh, as someone who's also has a great love of literature and and and, and uh, art. Uh, I see um, a very close affinity between art and literature on the one hand, and psychoanalysis on the other. I I see them as um, closely related um, although of course, especially in Freud uh, the aspiration to be a medical sort of empirical scientist and so on and so forth differentiates his the discourse of psychoanalysis in 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 uh, kind of extreme ways from you know the discourses of art and literature. I think his relationship with the relationship with the psychoanalysis since Freud has uh, 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 and let's well, say like between psychoanalysis and, and and art and literature since Freud has been complicated and sort of vexed you know um uh, um um but I think that um I think that analytic cure is not replaced by art and literature either reception or or production um, um but that doesn't mean that every artist or every person interested in art and literature should be doing an analysis. That's, that's a much more personal decision than, you know, mm-hmm. one thing has nothing to do with the other almost. But um, I, I also think that the, the, the relationship, but so coupling, I think doing an analysis can perhaps be of some use in um it certainly would change will change in some degree one's relationship to art and literature mm-hmm. uh the experience i think alters one's way of reading and and writing and uh, thinking about art so I think that that changes things. I think also that the the problem of the um or the question of the relationship between psychoanalysis and and, and the and the arts. Uh, should be uh, approached more in terms of how is this, how is the aesthetic already how is aesthetic and the aesthetic theory already a part of how is it already built into psychoanalytic theory, mm-hmm. and rather than how does psychoanalytic theory enable us to apply the mind to the understanding of art or literature or the creation of art and and literature? I think at least that part. Yeah. This way of addressing of approaching the question interests me most recently, namely to look at how the how the uh the various aesthetic uh moments in the history of aesthetics and aesthetic thought uh, uh enter into the very theoretical, you know sort of architecture and framework of psychoanalysis to, to to look at that rather than how psychoanalysis can be applied in the case of freud it has to do more with the influence of romanticism and 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 uh, also realism i would say on his uh, his own discourse and in the case of lacan i think it has to do with the looking at the the presence of surrealism primarily in his mm-hmm. in his discourse um and in the case of Apollon, let's say i am not sure how that goes but i think that uh, what's uh what's uh, one thing that's uh happening there is that um so in the case of the uh, the importance of mondialisation for his work it's 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 the question is then how like guess the historical question if you like is uh you know or the the, the the in terms of the history of theory is how does the um, how is uh, the alterate how is mondialisation altering the uh, function and 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 sense of the aesthetic and how does that altered function of the aesthetic in mondialisation then enter into, William uh, Frenel's thinking that 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 would that's a way of approaching this question of the relation a very generally sketched way but approaching this question of the relation between uh psychoanalysis and art and literature.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm not
1: sure if that answers your question, but, but it's it's just it's a, a way of responding.
0: And it is a fascinating uh way of responding. Yeah. I guess what I had in mind was something about what kind of speaking goes on. I left it deliberately very open because you could take uh-huh. a number of positions here yeah, too. Totally. But uh but um, what kind of speaking happens in literature, and what is the effect of reading this? Like, is can there be something about? Is that mode of speaking just one more iteration of language, or is it doing? Is it doing something else? Is there? Right. Is there? Is it an aesthetic expression of mm-hmm. the unconscious?
1: well i think one way of one way of approaching that much more internally to um the to to i mean from the inside of literature or on the inside of literature if you like mm-hmm. would be to um to think about the address in in the different generic formations so you know in lyric mm-hmm. you know you you have very frequently i would say always i mean there's a kind of an address that is going on there and you know apostrophe is a figure of address and that specifically appears there uh but um even when not um there's this question of i mean the address would take a particular could the address as conceived in psychoanalysis can certainly be brought in relate brought to bear on (laughs) the understanding of uh or the exploration of you know uh functions and figures and performances of address in 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 poetry and also the way in which poetry may withdraw itself from the um situation of address as such because it's only a person you know it's one voice a lot lyric mm-hmm. poetry uh is a sort of at least generically you know typically one voice and uh alone yeah. and uh, so the question of address there is absolutely <laughs> central and the um and and, and pervasive you know uh, i mean it's constitutive of the the, the genre and similarly uh, but very differently i mean i, I shouldn't say similar I should just say again in 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 drama mm-hmm. drama is the genre of dialogue so i mean of you know dialogical interactions and so um uh, address and response and counter address and failure of address and you know it's yeah. the entire thing is structured along those lines and 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 what we have in modern drama is the breakdown of dialogue in a certain sense and or the you know disruption of the dialogical wholeness at least that's how some people think of modern dialogue so that i mean modern drama so that's and, and one might even say that one might even say that psychoanalysis itself is is an outgrowth is a is a, is a is a drama in which um you know is a kind of form of drama in which you know um <laughs> there's a particular situation of in which one person is precisely not responding to the other in a in, you know sort of a yeah. an offshoot of modern drama if you like um mm-hmm. uh and to, with the epic forms uh of course then you could just extend that thought, and, you
0: know. Wow. Well, yeah, we could get into this as a whole new episode and go, no. and go listing all these mm. possibilities. But yeah, that's really interesting. I was surprised by your by this last answer. Um, mm. And yeah, I appreciate it. And you're coming back to the address with it. It's mm-hmm. great. So I think that these are all the questions that I have for for right now, unless you have anything to to add to our to the exposition of the address and what happens in analysis with that if not then we can say goodbye here and i thank you very much for for joining me and for your time
1: thank you so much really enjoyed speaking with you about this